Welcome to Under the Magnifier, where some legally blind people discuss our favorite books, TV shows, and movies. Dark Oden is going to be talking about Andor Episode 11, Daughter of Ferrix. There will be spoilers for Andor the TV series and Rogue One. We'll be discussing Easter eggs in the show that link to other movies and making references to some of the Legends books. Alright, so I had to insert a few little ADRs here. For some reason, our Dark Odin's mic cut out a bit. So there's a few points where I'll just say what he was saying. Uh, it might be a little obvious, it might not be, but yeah. All right. <laughs> I did half of that from memory. <laughs> All right. So this one is Daughter of Ferrix. We're almost yeah. <laughs> to the end. We're, we're on the second from the last. Yeah. And this one's going to start out. We just had the prison break. And Andor is, uh, he's still on that world. And they're still kind of, they're still running and trying to escape. But I know at the end of the other episode, they tried to steal the ship from those aliens. They got caught by them. And then they found out that they're actually rebels. Oh, uh, is that on this one? That was on the end of the last one. That was on the end of the Okay. Yeah, they probably do like a recap. Yeah, it must have been a skip head. I completely forgot about it. I'm sitting here thinking because I'm looking at the beginning part and they're on the same planet at this point. So yeah, this is probably how they got to that point. They're going to start. They're going to show. So They're on that planet at this point and we're about to get to that point. Yeah. yeah. But he's here with uh, that other guy that escaped with him that winds up on Rogue One and... I found out here recently, those two that he, I might as well go ahead and do this Easter egg while this is running. Those two aliens that captured him, the one that has these cybernetics in his eyes and stuff to make him see better, mm-hmm. he winds up being a, one of Saw Gerrera's partisans later on, on Rogue One. And he's one of the few of the partisans that survives that uh, Judea being destroyed. But... Shortly after that, he winds up getting picked up and put in prison. I believe it's on, yeah, I think it's called The Guide to the Smugglers, to the Smugglers, or something like that. It's, it's another Star Wars book, I believe, that he, he winds up being in. I haven't read it yet. What is a partisan? Is that like a special rank in Saw Gerrera's stuff, or? Well, no, it's just kind of like what he is. Like, the rebels are just called the rebels. Well, they're they're like the partisans. It's kind of like a more militant, I guess, is what you would call it, kind of a group. They're uh, a little bit more of, we'll do anything, just the means justify the ends kind of deal. Okay, they just have a different name. Yes. All right, I was confused for a second. They're a name for a group, yeah. (laughs) But now, we went from uh, them two hanging onto a cliff, and there's Imperial ships flying by, and uh, they're just hanging on for dear life against the cold and the wind. And then it switches over to poor B with uh his mom, and he is just shaking like crazy because he just got the news that she's dead. She passed away, mm. and Brazo is there with him trying to comfort the robot. Oh, like if you want to go say goodbye, poor little robot. It's like I'll let you. I'll make them clear the room if you want to be alone. Uh, oh, put your robot. Like I don't want to be alone. I want Marva. Oh, it's so sweet, poor little guy. Mm-hmm. is so nice to treat him like a person because most people just be like, whatever, get over it. You're a robot. Yeah. No, he's family. Uh, they almost treat him like a little pet. Like, uh, I believe at one point here, he uh, he has his own like little corner with his charging station. And when they, they show it this time, it's like a lot better lit up than on most of them. You don't really get to see it real good. Mm-hmm. But it looks like a little, like a pet's little corner that he sits in <laughs> with it. And, like, he was sitting in it, and uh, I think Brazzler was trying to get him to come with him, and he didn't want to leave. He wanted to stay there the night because he thought Marvel was still there, I guess. And so he kept, like, backing up into his little charging station, like, no, 
I'm staying here. <laughs> and Brazo kept trying to get him to come back, come with him, but eventually he let up and he let he let B stay. But right now they're just they're like marching her body, I guess, out of the house while B's watching and everybody on the streets watching because she apparently is like the one of the founding people of Ferrix, I guess. She must have been there when it first started and all. Yeah, they said she was a founder of something. Yeah, the daughters of Ferrix, that uh their little group. I'm guessing that group, the daughters of Ferrix, I'm guessing they were there when it was started. If not when it was started, their group was there when it was started. Yeah, sounds like it's a big deal, obviously. But uh, this is showing that other guy, which I come to find out, he's a rebel. He was not a Cyril Karn, which I, I had said on the last one. Yeah. But he, he's not. He's a rebel who's uh, working with uh, Senta. And he's just, like, observing with her, although hmm, he kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, I think. I don't know how they haven't spotted him. His hat and all just smacks of military. Like, it's proper. It's, like, little and tight and everything. It's, it just doesn't seem like civilian wear. Maybe he's a distraction so nobody knows, notices Senta. Oh, uh, maybe. Maybe. Because he, he does kind of seem like he's almost her superior or something. Because he does kind of talk down to her. Oh, fun. If not a superior, he's uh, maybe her he link he, to the next person in line. Yeah, or he thinks he's his her superior. <laughs> yeah. And then now we're back to uh, Andor. And the other guy, I, I cannot remember his name now, but they're running for the ship. Yeah, this is the part that we've seen. I thought his name was Misha, but I could be wrong. Oh, I think it might be. Um, Melshi? I think that's what it was. I think it's something like that, yeah. But bam, they just got hit by that, <laughs> by the net. <laughs> the dude's laughing at him. <laughs> and they're reeling him in. Which, those nets, they've been used in Legends a lot, but... I haven't seen them used quite like that, like from a little uh, foot pad thing. Like, I've heard those kind of nets being used from uh, these little guns and stuff that the Empire would use to catch people. I think they could also send a charge through. Yeah, sounds like those guys were very prepared to be robbed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and now we're back to, uh, which though, to Deidre. Deidre. So Deidre, she's making plans on what to do now that Martha's dead to kind of keep the people in their place. While also having a show of force because she's such a big figure. Boy, that's a bad idea, isn't it? Yeah. Never a good idea to have a show of force. At the funeral. Especially when you're you're doing it at the funeral of a beloved figure. Yes. Of the entire town. You're asking for trouble. Well, that's the Empire, though. They don't try to win hearts and minds. They try to piss people off at every turn. Yeah, they're trying to bully. Uh, that's kind of their M.O. Oh, you like this person? They're trash. Oh, and so are you. Get in line. <laughs> yeah, the Empire is the ult ultimate sin that it. <laughs> no, but then uh, they switch to, uh, now we're with the these two guys. Let me find one of show who they are. Okay, his name, it's secretly, his name is Thyvid. This sounds like a complicated one. Thyvid Oak. I'm probably not saying it right at all, but I mean, how the heck do you pronounce some of these? It's C-Y-C-Y-E-D, and then capital O-C-K. <laughs> Which says Psyched, I guess? Or Psyched? Maybe Psyched. Or Psyched? Depends, because it can be soft or hard seas. But they are uh, Sogarir partisans who also... Let's see if I can find their race. They're, it's a rare race that hasn't really been... Uh, Used very much. Okay. Kara, Keradins, which, I mean, they, they kind of look like 
if I had to guess, big uh, toad kind of species, because this guy's got like a big wide mouth, really long arms, and they look like they're uh, more of swamp dwellers. I wonder if this is like a planet similar to their home planet, because it's mostly water, right? Yeah, they do. It is quite a lot of water, but it's also a lot of rock. They don't look like there's a whole lot of uh, greenery on this planet. It's really barren. It looks like it's cold, mm. even though it's it's got a lot of sand and everything. There's like no uh, no trees, no vegetation. And from what they were acting like when they were on the cliffs, like he was like, my hands are freezing. I can't feel them. And he's like trying to hold on. <laughs> Well, I can always uh, throw in one of my husband's favorite facts. Deserts don't have to be hot. That's right. Because <laughs> it's a desert is classified as low precip- precipitation. So there are places in the ocean that are yep. technically deserts. <laughs> but, uh, I don't remember if I mentioned this at the beginning, but these guys wind up showing up in Rogue One. And, uh, well, the one with the uh, cybernetic eyes, he winds up showing up in Rogue One and... He survives. He's one of the few partisans that survived, but he gets picked up and put in prison oh. shortly after. So he doesn't have, I guess, a very long story. He's in one of the books, A Smuggler's Guide, I believe, but that's uh, about it. Well, I mean, they've proven in Star Wars that going to prison isn't like the end all. So he could always break out. So he's still around. Yeah. Somebody can break him out or, you know, plus the Empire falls. So, I mean, he's going to. Yeah, he'll be freed. Those prisons are going to get emptied out eventually, <laughs> I would imagine. I wonder if that means that his partner's not going to make it. But this is so funny. Uh, Endor is like <laughs> freaking out, trying to uh, figure out a way to save their lives when they're in these nets. And this other guy's partner, who doesn't speak basic, has a sword for a hand. Like, and it flips out. And they think he's going to kill him, and he's just like, "What do you want? What do you think?" <laughs> Please, Mister, have a heart. But they're pretty much was playing with him. He's just like, "We don't like the Empire," kind of deal. <laughs> And then wind up releasing them, telling them that they are rebels. It's funny. I wonder if they were there just because they heard about the prison break and they were waiting to like rescue prisoners or something. Probably. I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's probably how they find new rebels and stuff was just to hang around those places. And if, I mean, it is one way to get someone with a lot of skills. Because if you can break out of an Imperial prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got some skills. <laughs> they need those skills in the, re- in the rebel you know, army and all. Or in their spy units, which is what he, he, they pretty much picked him up for now. For sure. And I mean, if nothing else, they could get info on how to break out of that prison in case the Empire decides to use the prison again, because I'm sure they will. Yeah. Or if they're attacking the prison. Oh, yeah. Somebody was to break out, they get information about how many guards and all of that, so they can get in, break somebody else out. But uh, it's switching over now to the Antique Museum, and I believe this is uh, Lothan's coming in. His assistant has led him into the building. Oh, no, no, it's not Lothan. It's, uh, it's Val. Oh, yeah, she was going to go see Lothan. Yeah, I remember this part now. She's trying to see Lothan, but the assistant doesn't want her to, uh, I guess, see him. I don't know if she's actually... Oh, no, she has seen him, seen him. Yeah, because he met her in person when he dropped off Andor. Yeah, because they kind of get into it, and, like, she's trying to stay in character. Like, I have some jewelry around here you could look at somewhere, and Val is just like, you know, stop it kind of thing. I just want to talk to him. And, that, and the assistant's finally like, we have rules for a reason. And yeah, Val was really getting in dangerous territory. Uh, she she like, she like tells him, I've seen that the uh, the Fondor is not out back, so he's not here. I need this, this, and this, or something from her. And that she has information. 
and the assistant's just like, you're going off the rails here. Like, yeah, you, you're spying on the spy master to know that his ship's not there. <laughs> yeah, and why are you trying to give me information when he's not here? Like, what are you doing? You don't want a second-hand information? <sighs> Bobby doesn't want to talk to Lothian because she's still mad about the whole being separated from Sensa thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see this. She wants to get in touch with Lothian so she can give him information on Cassian, but she didn't want to give it to the assistant. And the assistant was like, what information you got after? She kind of like put her in her place, telling her she's got to follow the rules. And she's just, what information do you got? And Val just sat there and didn't say anything. Like, she's just staring at her like, I'm not going to tell you. So then she's finally just like, you know, there's the door. <laughs> it's like, if you're not going to tell me, bye. Yeah. And she does wind up eventually leaving. I don't think she gave her the information. Makes sense. If you don't want to give her the information and Lothan's not there, why are you here? Come back later. Yeah. I think she, though, uh, the assistant was actually trying to get the information out of her. She was kind of trying to bluff her as to, you know, you don't want to give me the information and leave, thinking that she wouldn't leave. But she did. Yeah. <laughs> because then after she left, she kind of, like, looked down to the side like, damn. Yeah, at least she's smart enough that she doesn't want to give to her the information. Because even if you could trust her, you don't want to, you don't know if she's going to actually give him the full information or not. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, or maybe, you know. They're all spies. Maybe she's going to sell the information to somebody else. I was going to say, she clearly doesn't want him to deal with barracks anymore, so she might withhold the information from him. Yeah, that's true. But now we're, uh, we're back on Ferrix again, and Cinta and her little boss was talking about what they're going to do. And then this this is the part I was talking about earlier. It, well, first, it went back to the timekeeper, which we haven't seen in a while. He banged on the deal to sound that, you know, it's nighttime and everyone's going home. And then Brazo is walking through Marva's uh, house, just flipping off lights, and is like, B, come on, you're coming with me. And this is where he's trying to get him to come with him. Like, I can't leave you here alone. She wouldn't want that, and he's he's huddled in his little charging thing. B's like, you could stay. Oh, <laughs> poor little thing. Oh, is Brazo actually going to stay? I guess Brazo's going to stay for one night. Yeah, he probably didn't leave, want to leave the poor thing by itself because, I mean, God. Yeah. Who knows? The Empire might try to take the robot to, like, get information out of it. Yeah. They probably tear that poor thing apart. Yeah, and he has been with her from the beginning. So, oh, and now we're switched to uh, uh, Bix, who is still in the Imperial headquarters. Yeah. Kind of in the ISB cell where they were interrogated. And they got cameras on her constantly. I don't know if those cameras do anything else, but I mean, it seems like they uh, might have interrogated her a little much with the sound thing because she's still kind of out of it. Like right now, she's just like her head was up against the wall, just leaning on it, kind of just staring off. And now an ISB officer is like practically drag carrying her like she's leaning on his shoulder and he's not like forcefully dragging her or nothing. He's just walking, you know, casual and she's just like. All her weight is on him, kind of sliding her legs along behind her. Yeah. And she, yeah, about looks exhausted. And they're like, you pretty much interrogating her again. Because I mean, he's like, we're going to ask you some questions. And if you don't answer, we're going to call the doctor in again. And she kind of like looks down. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> she looks pretty, pretty beaten down. Yeah, I imagine. She's been there for a while now. She's going to give them what they want. Yeah. She's already like, they're asking her, and she's like looking up, shaking, and eyes are twitching. They ask again, like forcefully, and she kind of like jumps, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like she's she's going to give them what they want to know. She's fighting not to, but the lips are moving. She's going to do it. Yeah, I mean, she, she's not some kind of trained rebel or a militant. She's just a person. No, no. 
He wants to protect her friend, but she's... And she's just trying to make some money on the side, selling parts and stuff. She's a mechanic. <laughs> now she's all of a sudden, uh, bye. Yeah. But straight from that, then we switch to uh, Mom Mothma with uh, Val is now at her house. And they're watching Mom Mothma's daughter going through, I guess, a traditional Shandrillin ceremony. And I think... I kind of think it might be, although I hope it isn't, uh, preparations for her daughter to wind up getting married. Ah, uh, to that creep. No. Or promised or something, maybe, to that guy. Yeah. Because, I mean, Val, she doesn't seem to like whatever's going on. She's like, why is this happening? Why? These are the old ways, kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, because Val just told her, don't tell me you're taking proposals. I think that might be what it is. She might be... Uh, Having to marry her daughter off, taking a proposal and like getting a dowry kind of thing, maybe to fill in the gaps of her account. Yeah, it might be like a thing where they have a tradition with like arranged marriages and that's what they're doing. They're arranging something for her. Yeah, because yeah, if it's anything like ancient history, that's about what they do. Here's, here's my daughter and a business and mm-hmm. so much money and all in return from the same. <laughs> yeah, trade their children for prosperity. Well. Yeah, now she's pretty much informing. She's got Val off to the side in a room, and she's pretty much, like, telling her what's happened. She's not going to be happy. <laughs> Talking about how she, she went to Luthen looking for help, but she couldn't find it there. And then she went to the other guy trying to find the money, but he only showed her just how how bad it was. <laughs> yeah. And I think, she, yeah. Ooh. Well, Val kind of feels a little bad now. She at, at first I thought maybe Mom Mothman knew that Val did the all Donnie thing, but I don't think she knows because Val uh, she just told Val that after the all Donnie thing, her accounts had been frozen, and now she can't move stuff at all like she used to, and it's a lot harder, and it's all because of all Donnie what happened there. And when she said that to Val, Val kind of looked to the side, looked away, like damn, it, I did that. <laughs> yeah, and then looks back, and now she's kind of like trying to figure out a way to help. Like he asked her how much money is missing. A shit ton. <laughs> and she's asking if Lothan knows. I don't know why. Well, Mom Mothma might not have been able to tell Lothan she's in trouble. Oh, he's saying Lothan. He said Lothan warned her. But she says she found a solution. I don't think we're going to like it because I think the solution, yeah, is going to be her daughter. Because now, at this very moment, the daughter comes in asking where her aunt was. Worried. <laughs> and... Yeah, when the uh, daughter and I was talking, Mom Moth was in the back getting real choked up again. Like, she, uh, you can see, like, in her face, she's, like, trying to hold her jaw and all still to stop from, uh, crying. She knows what she's got to do in order to save her family and the rebellion. She's going to have to probably marry off her daughter to someone she does not like. Yeah. And now we go to <laughs> poor Cyril Karn. He's in his room, and his mom came in, I guess, because he had gotten a call. And uh, passed it through to his room, but his mom. So he shoes her out, and she's just sneakily listening through the door. <laughs> and uh, he's actually talking to the sergeant, the SWAT guy, that messed up the taking Andor on the first couple episodes. Yeah. He now works a furnace, pretty much, because he's like in there, and there's a lot of loud noise. It almost looks like his face. Can't quite tell because of the screen that he's on. It looks like his face has been melted or something. Like, he's falling on hard times. But he's telling... uh. Cyril Karn, through little connections that he has with other people he's worked with that are now working at other places, mm. that he's heard. Telling him that Andor's mother died and they're having a ceremony on Ferris and that Andor might show up there. 
But as he's trying to get the last piece of information from the guy, he's like, where is, where is Andor? And he's like, yes, yes, the mother, she died. And he's like, no, is Andor there? And he's like, yes, the mother's here. <laughs> and yeah, after he tries and tries and the foundry thing keeps kicking up, <laughs> it uh, finally freezes the screen. And then at that point, the mother walks in and goes, well, I guess that's over. You know, you can stop, stop chasing that. But he's not gonna. It's kind of, he was hunched over when she was saying that. But then he like sits back and like looks at the door and where she was and then looks back at the screen. He's gonna keep trying. He ain't gonna stop. Right. I love this. Just his mom walks in because she's obviously been spying on him and doesn't even bother to hide it. It's like, mom, get out of my room. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts. Freaking, uh, Endor after escaping, he goes back to the planet where he got picked up. The, uh, the resort planet. Oh, yeah. And goes back to the woman he was sleeping with and goes into the bathroom where on one of those episodes where it first started he was in there taking a shower and he was like looking through his stuff he had hidden in the shower mm-hmm. well now he's going back in there and got all his stuff out of the shower and it's hiding places and then it's sneaking back out and as he's sneaking back out there's another alien there that she's sleeping with like boy you moved on quick but then he leaves and it goes straight to uh Lothan is uh, going to a meeting with Saw Gerrera's, with Saw Gerrera, and he's, like, talking to his people. Saw Gerrera wants to talk to him after their last little fight. Uh, one of his guys takes his cane and is looking at it, like, what is this? And he's just, like, either take it or give it back. And he just gives, tells him to give it back. But uh, it seems after their last talk, where he was trying to convince him to help Krieger, and Saw Gerrera kept telling him no, and finally decided, you know, told him to leave. Yeah. Well, now, Claude running around grabbing weapons and stuff, and he was like, we can commit air power and so many men and all of this. I just want him to agree to my terms that I'm in command of my people, no one else. And, uh, yeah, he tells him all of this, and then he's like, make it happen. And Lothan goes, it's not going to happen. And he's like, why? Claude like, why? You were so eager. Why? Why now? And, uh, Lothan's just like, I can't tell you why. And this saw is starting to pick up. He's like, and Krieger, he doesn't know. He's like, how do you know I won't tell him? And Lothan's just like, I don't know what you'll do. I don't know what you'll tell him. It's like, it's far from ideal for either of us. Yeah. Oh, because Krieger's the guy he's sacrificing, right? And this this is one of those crazy situations. This is a crazy spy master situation. Yeah, he's the one he's sacrificing to protect his spy inside the ISB. And he's got to protect that dude because he's high up. Yeah. And they've cultivated him for so long, they can't lose him. But they can lose a little squad of, you know, rebels. Because they can always get another squad of rebels. But he can't tell Sakura why he can't. <laughs> yeah, he can't He can't tell him about the ISB agent or nothing. Because then, yeah, Sakura could either expose him or want him killing him or something. He could ruin that. Yeah. Or if Sakura ever got captured. Because he could mention it later. But now it gets to the part where Sagarella is like, are you going to kill me? Would you do this to me? And Liv, and it's like, no, because you've seen my face. Krieger has never seen my face. And Sagarella was like, he's never seen your face. Lothan's like, he hasn't seen my face with my name attached to it. As far as he knows, I'm just a loader on a cargo ship. And so he was like, he's expendable. And so he's pretty much you know, telling him that the only reason that Lothan wouldn't kill him or turn him over in order for the greater good is because he knows Lothan. Yeah. So he can't he can't do anything to Saw Gerrera. Uh, and now he's kind of like fucking with Saw Gerrera, I think. He's like, uh, 
either your ISB or you're trying to protect somebody in the Empire. And like Saul Gray is starting to get agitated. And he's like, what? tell me the truth. And then fun and Lothan like messing with him turns to uh, one of his trusted guys. Get his name is a tooth. Oh, two tubes. And tells him he's my main man. He tells me everything that's going on in your operation. Right down to, you know, uh, you know, he says it. But he, he pretty much like he's telling him that he's a spy inside his organization. And Saul Grant looks at him and looks at, back at, at uh, Lothan and is like, are you joking? What is this? What kind of game are you playing here? And Lothan quickly pulls his gun and puts it on his chin. And is just like, you know, back up. And two tubes back off because he was getting put, you know, walking forward, getting agitated. Yeah. And Saul Grant is like, there's no way out alive. Of that, you got to be sure. And Lothan is like, I know, but I'm doing this. So listen. So listen. And then he pretty much explains it. Krieger will go down, and the ISB will feel invincible. And it's like, and it'll end there. The alternative, Krieger pulls out, and the ISB will know, we know something. You know, we got someone in there. Yeah. It's the best of a worst situation kind of scenario. It's like, they, they're going to lose the guy, but it'll help them move forward to win. Otherwise, they could save him, and it'll set them back and possibly call more lives. Yeah, he's sacrificing the few to save the many. Yeah. And so now Saul Guerrero, that he finally realizes it, and he's he just pretty much you know tells him for greater good. That's always a rough decision to make. And I I didn't get to hear exactly what Lincoln said. He was like, "Let's call it something," and then uh, Saul Guerrero's like, "Let's call it war," and leaves it at that. And then it switches to a uh, Cyril Karn, who I think is is he back at ISB again? Man, that boy don't learn. You have a death wish. <laughs> I know. He's in love. <laughs> oh, oh no, he's at his house. I think he's at his house. He's uh, he better be. He's taking something out of a out of a little cupboard thingy, a little end table. Like what he took? Did he just take money from his mama? Oh, is Robin's mama purse? Because <laughs> he looked like he was kind of being secretive, but he, he like grabbed something out of it and then closed it back up real quick, like he was locking it. And then uh, he left. It might have been his mom. He was watching leave. Maybe that's what he was doing. But uh, it switched after that real quick back to a uh, Lothan who's coming uh is he going back to a ship oh he's on his ship but he's talking to his assistant um, she's probably telling him about that and they're talking in their uh their little sly sly shopkeeper speak there's no buyers we're gonna have to close up shop or we can always go to another location and find another buyer hmm. let's think of the consequences of losing that piece to another collector kind of deal it's pretty good they, they got a nice little system going on don't ever suspect <laughs> they were just listening in but then Luthen uh, all of a sudden loses his connection to her, and she can't hear him. And then this is where a little another little Easter egg pops up. The ship is coming up behind him, and it is setting off all kind of alarms on his ship. And let me go real quick to my Easter eggs, because this is a ship that I've seen in row one, and I've tried to look it up whenever the show first came out, and I couldn't find anything on it. But now, apparently, they got quite a bit. It is a... It shows up in Solo. That was like the Han Solo backstory movie. Star Wars story, yeah. Yeah, it shows up in that one. I'm not sure exactly where it shows up in that one. Pretty sure it was show I've seen it in, I think I've seen it in Rogue One. I'm not sure. But whenever they made uh, the, I want to find the exact thing so I don't get this wrong. It was uh, designed by this guy from, I believe from the original movies. And it, his name is uh, Cantwell. And they, in honor of him, they found this, his sketches, and used it in the show. And they call it the Cantwell Class Arrestor Cruiser. 
which uh, oh here was originally designed by Colin Cantwell for the first Star Wars movie, and elements of its design were incorporated into the Death Star, which are those, uh, it has like three big satellite-looking dishes. Uh, one on either side of it, and then one at the very front of it. And pretty much what it is, is uh, it, it says it takes stuff from the Death Star, but I think it's just in aesthetics, because those big dishes aren't like a, a laser beam that destroys something. They're high-powered tractor beams, is what I believe those are supposed to be. Uh, because that's what winds up catching him at this point, like locking him in place and pulling him in. And let me see, let me see, there was something else. Okay, I think that's the only, yeah, that's the only little Easter egg thing they had on that. I'm going to go back to the show. He's being alerted that a ship is in his area. You know, it's near him. Proximity alerts. That's what it is. I couldn't think of the name of it. His proximity alerts are going off. So, and then the Imperial Patrol tells him that he shouldn't be there at all and to stand by for an ID check. And here's, oh, another little Easter egg. He has a transponder ID, like a uh, changer, and it will switch through different IDs that he has gotten off the black market. And it's pretty much the same thing, which I haven't seen anyone mention. It's probably about the same thing that Han Solo has eventually in his Millennium Falcon on the uh, older... I don't know if they actually talk about it in the older movies. Yeah, I've seen... I saw it in one of the old ones. But especially in the Legends books, like he, they always talk about how he has Chewie change out their ID to another one. Like... I, I think one of them is the Lone Star. Um, dang it, I can't remember what the other ones were. He, ha he has like a whole bunch of different popular names. There's at least two or three of them that he uses for the ship, especially in the older legends. There's one he uses a lot. And I think even his daughter winds up taking the name for her ship, <laughs> I believe. But yeah, that transponder isn't anything real new. So it's used in that. But also another part to this Easter egg is... Andor's transponder winds up reading the last four digits is, I believe it's 520, no, 2505, which is the date the first movie came out, I believe it was. 2505? It must be uh, probably like um European calendar. Let me see. Okay, the last four digits, 2505, referred to the re uh, release date of the first Star Wars film. May 25th. So, I mean, it's not the year, but it's the month and the day. Yeah, just in European format. Yeah, and that's that one. So, I guess before I really get into it, well, no, I'll, I'll go back to the movie because it's not quite to that point. Before I explain this other thing, there's another part from Legends that they, they bring back and they use here. It's a weapon that they don't really use in any of the other shows. I don't believe it. I don't believe they even use it in their handheld form, but he uses it here to spectacular effect. Oh? Right now, he's he's kind of acting like he's a merchant, I guess. Yeah. Or like he's kind of lost. He's in the wrong place. And they're telling him, you'll be standing by. And he's like, it's okay. I'm shutting down and I'll, uh, I'll be waiting. And he's like, you'll be standing by. And then now they're reeling him in with the tractor beam. And he's telling his little uh, uh, artificial intelligence, I guess you can say, for the ship to boost one of the thrusters intermittently. To kind of like make it look like one of them's going kind of haywire. Yeah. And they can tell him to shut down his engine. He's like, I have an engine overheating. I'm, I'm trying to shut it down manually. And I'm just one guy. One man operation. And 
the captain of the Imperial ship is like telling them to get a boarding team ready. And he he's making them flip on more tractor beams and make them more powerful to, to hold them there. And meanwhile, he's having the uh the droid calibrate a jump and everything, preparing for him to escape, but also to uh break free from the tractor beam beam, the his like speed and everything, the boost. Yeah. Separately, like he's not gonna jump and immediately jump into hyperspace. He's just gonna break free. But yeah, he's telling Lothan now to prepare for boarding and inspection. So he's charged, and there he goes. He's hitting boosters to try to break free, and they're boosting their tractor beams to hold him. And he's giving him a final warning to power down. You can do it, Lothan. I believe in you. And he's just countermeasures are armed and this is the thing that i was talking about and now he has two ports open on the back top of his ship and it just starts firing these shards of metal at high speeds behind him just scattering like shotguns all over and it shreds their dishes that are holding him in place with tractor beam and so now they they launch ties to try to go after him but it's a little too late Tractor beacon is down. He hits, he punches the gas <laughs> or his ion engines and takes off and pops out a dual cannon, laser cannon out the top of his ship. Kind of like, uh, the Millennium Falcons, the early, early old Millennium Falcons with the double barrel. And he's taking out the TIE fighters one after another, flying around this, uh, arrestor cruiser. <laughs> and then see what is Oh no, this was the other crazy weapon he uses that uh, I had heard these ads that there's a new super lightsaber weapon or something like that. And I'm guessing this was what they were kind of talking about because it's kind of like a lightsaber, but not quite because I mean, it's just like he's firing two laser beams out the side of the ship and it's a constant beam and then he shuts it off. But when he fires it, he's flying towards TIE fighters and he fires them out and then spins. And it's like a blade and just chops up the TIE fighters around him. And then he turns them off and keeps going. <laughs> and then jumps in the hyperspace and off. Oh, he's like a fucking blender. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he gets away. And the captain just looks like an idiot because this guy just jumped away after taking out all his TIE fighters. And he didn't even fire a shot because he didn't think Lothan was much of a threat. Because there were cannons on the ship that could have easily taken him out. But yeah. they didn't get the chance to fire. I mean, that's what he was banking on, them not taking him seriously. Because they are they are nothing but overconfident, the Empire. Oh, yeah. And he's just a tiny little ship that shouldn't have been able to hurt them. Apparently, he did. He's a feisty little ship. <laughs> yeah. But now uh, Endor is finally getting the news that his mother has died. He called the airport or the spaceport, that guy, to try to find out what's going on. And in doing so, the guy kind of had the... Uh, awkward news of trying to tell him what was going on mm -hmm. and then finally found his way to break the news that your mother is dead and that he probably shouldn't shouldn't come home but then this is almost like a little or it's about to be a scene that kind of is like uh, reminiscent of what's going to happen in uh rogue one him and melshi are sitting on the beach at this resort looking into sunset talking about what happened and all and no she's like you know people need to know what happened and they have to do something about it and then they're i think he winds up saying that they're they're better off if they split up oh yeah so they have to go their separate ways uh, he's like somebody's got to tell people what's happening back there yeah we got to split up and double our chances one of us has got to make it and the door's just like i know 
and he gives him giving him something. I guess his gun. Couldn't tell what he gave him. Gave him something. Handshake. Hug. See you later, fella. Yeah. I mean, we might see more of him in the second season because they're supposedly good friends. Uh, and this is the this is the moment. He's looking off over the waves at the sun kind of shining down between the clouds. Kind of just like what uh him and uh I can't think of her name now. I keep wanting to say Ray. Uh, one from Rogue One. Pretty much what they did on the beach is almost exactly what that looked like. The same shade of sunlight and everything. Waiting for that, that blast to come in. It's almost like he's sitting there like, waiting for the blast. <laughs> but then that's the end of this episode. <laughs> we end with him finding out his mother is dead. And Ferrix is in trouble. And everybody's going crazy. Yeah. That was episode 11. This one is kind of short, I guess, because it's so, you know, like there's not as much stuff going on. Yeah, they pretty much like trying to, it's like they're trying to prep everyone for their their little end story for this episode. So it's kind of just like, this is where this person's at and what they're doing. And this is what this one's doing. This is what that one's doing. Okay, now we're done. <laughs> Stay tuned for when all of the real stuff goes down on the next one. Yeah, a lot of it was probably dedicated to the Saul Guerrero scene that we kind of skimmed over a little because, you know, a lot of back and forth. Yeah, there's a lot of back and forth in that one and a lot of, uh, hmm, a lot of little emotional scenes in there. The way Saul Guerrero kind of looks at Lothan and stuff when he's uh he's saying all of this. I like the way his facial expressions are. Like, when you see Lothan talk to him and all about this stuff, he keeps a straight... You can tell that he is, like, a professional, you know, spy master and all. Like, he keeps a straight face about it. Yeah. But you can tell he's not happy about it, but he knows this is what he's got to do, and he's got to do it, and there's no other way. Yeah. Whereas Saul Guerrero has so much passion... You can tell, like, in certain parts, like, his heart's breaking, and he's just like, why are you doing this, looking at him, kind of deal, or, you know, I want to murder you at one point, because you're doing this, and then it's like, he figures it out, and it's, okay, kind of resigned to this now, I gotta do this. <laughs> Which is funny, because at first, he didn't want to do it, he didn't, he didn't want to help the guy, and now he's like, I want to help him, and it's like, dude. Yeah, yeah, and now that he wants to help, he can't, <laughs> he should have, he should have probably come up sooner. Yeah. And maybe he could have done something. Yeah, right. Although, you never know, uh, Lothan might have went to him that first time knowing that he was going to turn him down just to set everything up for what it was going to be. You know? Yeah, we don't know how far in advance Lothan planted it. That's what it is. It seems like he's already got a lot of this planned out and he's just waiting for different events to drop to move to the next spot. Yeah, he seems like he's like 12 steps ahead. The only time he seemed like he really wasn't sure was when he ran over there. Yeah, whereas everyone else is playing catch-up. Yeah, that's his one wild card, it seems, is Andor. And I think why they're really, him and the assistant are really trying to find him is because they don't know what he could do or what he could mess up in their plans. They've got to they gotta take him out of the equation. Or force him back into the equation, because that's what he wants, really. Yeah, or incorporate him into the, uh... What? That's that one. Yeah, did we get all the Easter eggs? Because was, there wasn't as many Easter eggs in that one. Let me see, there may have been... Oh, I didn't go into detail about the uh, the shrapnel weapon. All right, the weapon that he had fired, that is, uh, they they have those as a, uh, a regular firearm. I think they can even have them as small firearms. But what I've seen most, or heard about, not seen, what I've heard about most of the time in the Legends books and stuff is it's almost like a rocket launcher type deal. Mm -hmm. And they'll go into corridors where it's really crowded, ship-to-ship -ship fighting, and fire this thing 
down the corridor, and it's just like small pieces of metal, almost like shrapnel, and it just goes flying down the corridor, shredding everything it hits. So people gone, turn to mincemeat. It reminds me kind of like a blunderbuss, like the original shotgun, where you just yeah. pack it with black powder and then put a bunch of shit in it and fire it. It's like a handheld launcher yeah. sort of. <laughs> yeah. Just these suckers are uh, a little more gruesome. At least then it was little balls that would hit you, and then, you know, you might not have too much, but this is like, uh, it's like sharp pieces of metal. Yeah. And it, it almost does more slicing than it does puncturing. Yeah, that's why I said, uh, that's why I compared it to a grenade, because when a grenade explodes, it's the shrapnel from the grenade that kills you less than the explosion. Yeah, it's a it's a nasty weapon. A lot a lot of it I think was used by pirates on a bunch of them. Oof. On a bunch of the older books. Yeah. Lovin's not afraid to use underhanded tricks to get <laughs> to get out of there. That's the second time we've seen his ship in action too, right? Uh, I believe so. I think that's the second time he's used it to do something. I think he got because uh, he has yeah, because he had to run like to before he got to the meeting at the end of the other episode, he had to do something like that. So I guess wherever Saw Gerrera is is not a place he he should be going. Yeah, yeah, Saw Gerrera is probably more of a contested area than any of them because I mean he's going to be out in the open fighting the Empire. He doesn't. He doesn't tend to do too much of the sneaky quietness. He, he kind of gets himself into trouble and has to jump around a lot. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked that um, Lothan actually meets him in person because of that. Because Sagra is in the open so much that it's real suspicious for him to meet with him. So he's got to jump through a lot of hoops to make sure nobody knows he's there. Yeah, I think what it is is he's he's pretty much using Saw Guerrero as almost like a decoy for the rebellion. It's like uh, he's giving Saul Guerrero supplies and all to keep him going and fighting just so that the Empire is like, oh, this is the Rebellion. we got to fight them and get rid of them. Meanwhile, Lothan's consolidating you know, all of their stuff and getting the Rebellion built up for when they got to come onto the scene. And you know, this way, Saul Guerrero kind of keeps the Empire off of them. Yeah. Unknowingly, he keeps them off of them because, you know, Lothan, I think, is kind of playing him into that, that role. Yeah, I mean, hell, Sakura might agree with that because he seems more militant. That's what he wants to do. So, oh yeah, he wants to do it, but I don't think he he probably wouldn't like that. Lothan is, you know, manipulating him in that way. Yeah, he seems like the kind of guy that he wants. Uh, he wants to be told up front if he's going to be put into a bad situation. Like he told him early on their first meeting, like, "Oh, I want to know what my men are getting into. I don't want to put them into a, you know, a bad situation." Why he would? That's why he didn't want to go help Krieger at first. But then I guess he must have got more intelligence and decided he wanted to go. Too bad now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that ain't gonna work out. But yeah, I think that is all my Easter eggs. I thought I had more, but the sunset that was my uh, that was my last one. And this one didn't have too many. And most of them were fairly easier ones to find. Except for that that species of the first guy at the beginning. That one I didn't know about. I didn't know about those guys. Oh, so you haven't seen them in the books before? No, I don't think I've seen that species in the book before. Oh, well, Star Wars has a lot of species, so I guess they're just one of the less used ones, which is nice to see them digging into that deep lore and pulling out stuff we haven't seen before. Yeah, it's probably like that ship, because that ship hasn't... I don't think that ship has ever been used. I don't remember ever seeing it in the Legends and stuff. And they say it was supposed to be used in the first movie. And yeah, i never seen it in that one. It might be like a glimpse of it in the first movie. It was kind of a thing that was put in the... Uh, well, they said they didn't put it in the, the first movie. They were going to. So it was just something they probably... One of their crew members wrote up, and they were like, nah, they can keep it. It might have been in a scene that they were going to shoot that they ended up cutting or something. 
Probably. It may have been the one that was supposed to uh, <laughs> arrest the uh, Leia ship in the beginning to bring it to the Death Star. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Star Destroyer. But then was like, nah, a Star Destroyer has tractor beams on it. Lots of them. <laughs> yeah. So probably wouldn't need that ship. Don't need this middle man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this little ship is more of like a patrol a small system that doesn't have a Star Destroyer. <laughs> I mean, it almost looks like a Star Destroyer, kind of. It looks like it's probably a wedge-shaped deal. They just put satellite dishes on the on the three points facing forward. <laughs> it kind of looks a little weird. I could see why they probably didn't want to use it back then, because it didn't look as nice and sleek as the rest of the ship's. But it works. Yeah. It's sapphire uh, looking. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, not all the ships are going to be elegant as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them got to be utilitarian. Yeah. yeah. And it's cool that that ship is like a reference <laughs> to that guy because that's really cool. You know? Yeah. Honor somebody that worked their ass off because a lot of the designs in Star Wars are crazy. Yeah, usually I've just found that and been like, eh, leave that guy's name out. No one will know. Yeah. It wouldn't show it anything. No one ever seen it before this. So. Yeah. I guess. Well, I guess that's the end of episode uh, eleven. You know, episode eleven. Yeah. So next week, last episode of the season finale. <laughs> mm-hmm. This one's a little shorter than the other ones. So yeah, this one seemed like it was a shorter episode that ended earlier. Yeah. Uh, you guys like? You know, share. Check us out. Uh, if you we're on iHeart, Anchor, and Spotify. If you want to check us out playing some video games and hunting ghosts and being scared and. <laughs> fighting zombies i guess surviving yeah surviving uh check out dark Orton gaming it's in the, the description and we will catch you guys later Laters.